He's a very funny man, and it helps save his life. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Robert Schimmel, one of Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Comics and author of the new book, Cancer on $5 a Day, Chemo Not Included, How Humor Got Me Through the Toughest Journey of My Life. Mr. Schimmel, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Oh, it's nice to be on. Tell us the story of how you responded to the doctor who disapproved of the alternative treatments you were trying. Well, there was a few of those. Which one are you talking about? You're talking about the Reiki and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Somebody told me that a friend that practices Reiki and they wanted to come and do it at the hospital for me. So I said, sure. And I was open-minded about it. I mean, it's, you know, at that point, if it doesn't work, where's the harm? It's not like I stopped doing what I was supposed to be doing and then just exclusively did that. But they came in and saw this lady standing by me and she was, her hands were hovering over my body and they're just standing there laughing. And, you know, they said, I, I just thought it was hocus pocus, and I went for acupuncture. I tried everything there was because I think that we have more power in our mind to heal ourselves than we give credit to, and that whichever way gets you there, you know, we've been already closed down as far as mind-body connection to where you need to be. You need that reinforcement. And the Reiki's not going to hurt, but I think if it doesn't work, but if you believe in it and you do feel something, then you have a positive outcome from it. And then at the end, so, I mean, am I going to say it's Reiki that saved me or acupuncture or crystal therapy or meditation or stuff like that? I don't know, but I don't know where I'd be if I didn't do any of those things. I'm also Jewish, and I prayed to everybody they were to pray to when I was in the hospital bed, and I didn't know who came through for me. So I just promised to celebrate everything when I got out. After seven treatments of chemotherapy, you were diagnosed with neutroponic fever. You write that you were beaten and you didn't care anymore. How did you get through this time? Yeah, you know, I didn't want to put that in there because I wanted to... <laughs> it was a tough call. I didn't want to put it in because I wanted the book to be completely positive all the way. And I know that some people that are going through what I went through, they'll read a book that'll be like 150 pages of all positive things, and they'll see one sentence that says that's not, and they'll cling on to the one that's bad. I don't know why human nature could be like that. But I was all jokes the whole time, from the beginning all the way through until that time. I was at home, actually. I got to come home for a few days, and I started shivering, and my teeth were chattering, and I didn't know what was up, and Vicky was gone, and my daughter's boyfriend, Steve, came up from U of A in Tucson with her to visit. And I said, Steve, somebody's got to get me to the emergency room. I don't feel good. And I told him I was freezing, and it was about 110 out, 111 out. This is in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm wearing thermal underwear, sweatpants over that, a sweater, a winter coat, and a wool cap. And I'm in my car with my daughter's boyfriend, begging him to put the heat on high. And my teeth were chattering. And it was so hot out. And I went in there. They said my white blood cell count was 
and says basically you can't go much lower than that and then you're not around anymore i had no immune system they put me in a room that had no window sills no ledges nothing where any dust can settle there was a separate room that the doctors and nurses had to scrub up before they can come in to see me and uh, one of the side effects of one of the drugs that help boost your blood cells you know your blood cells are uh, manufactured in your bone marrow and it makes them reproduce at such an accelerated rate to get you back up to what normal is that it hurts and sometimes for me it felt like my bones were breaking from the inside out you know when you don't go to the hospital and you hear about morphine and Dilaudid and all those things people go wow that's great you know after a couple of days of that you don't want that anymore it's just I wanted to be around to talk to people I didn't want to be in a blur and I didn't want anything and they put me in isolation so no one could come and see me no fresh flowers in the room, no fresh fruit in the room, because if there's any bacteria on it, I could get sick. I was only IV fed. I begged for ice chips to chew on, and they wouldn't give it to me. They said if the water wasn't pure, that could do it. And they literally told my parents that if I woke up the next morning, they would be surprised. That's how far down I went. And I was all jokes the whole time until then. I mean, nurses would tell me that when I push the nurse call button, I've been out at the pod where someone's pushing the button and you see the nurse go, what does this guy want now? Because it's one of those people that's pushing it every two minutes. When I pushed the button, they knew that I was going to be trying new material out on them. <laughs> they used to argue about who got to come into the room because they couldn't all come. But that wasn't one of those days. And my dad came in to see me. He had to scrub up. He was wearing a gown, gloves, the cap, mask, the whole thing. And he says, how you doing? And I said, Dad, you know what? I'm not doing good. And he said, Robert, you got one more treatment and then you're out of here. And I said, I can't even do that. I can't even see that far down the line anymore. And the day before I could, because one of the things my oncologist told me was, every day when you wake up, I want you to close your eyes and meditate and visualize yourself in the future. You have to do it every day. See yourself in the future. And I'm really lucky. I couldn't see the future without me in it. I tried. I tried to see my own funeral because I wanted to know if there was going to be a lot of people there crying and everything, and I just couldn't do it. But this day was bad. And, you know, I told my dad, this is bad, and you know what? I love you. I know you've gone through a lot of things. My parents were concentration camp survivors. I said, but, Dad, you're not going through this, and you're not going through it right now. And if you really love me, you will help me unhook my IV and get me to the window so I can jump out. Because if they tell me this doesn't work, I don't know what's going to happen. And he said, jump out to where? And I said, to the sidewalk. Because at least then, I know the cancer dies when I die. And he said, how could you talk like that to your father? And he walks out of the room and comes back in a couple of minutes later with my nine-year-old daughter, Aaliyah, and my son, Jacob, who was two. And they stood at the foot of my bed, and he said, tell them what you just told me. And I couldn't do it. And at that moment, I realized that... My dad's parents were killed in front of him when he was 15 years old, and his sister and brother, and he's the only one that went to Auschwitz. And I knew that he knew what it was like to grow up without parents, and he didn't want that for my children. But I knew what it was like to lose a son, and I didn't want to do that to my dad.
and he just turned me around right then, that moment. And after my kids walked out of the room, I said to my father, I don't understand how you could do it, Dad. How could you go through the worst thing in the world like that? I mean, seeing your family get killed in front of you, and then you get dragged away to a forced labor thing. And he said, you know, every day I'd wake up in the morning and I would just think, maybe today will be the day the war will be over and I'll get to go home. And he said one day he was in a forced labor march, and one of his friends was ahead of him. Couldn't walk anymore, fell down. The German soldier shot the kid in the head. The kid's father came over, bent down to hug his son. They shot the father. And the soldier turned around and said to everybody else, if you want to survive, keep moving forward. And my dad said, and that's the way life is, Robert. If you want to survive, you keep moving forward. You can't stop and try and fix something that's unfixable, and you can't go back in time and change anything. And I've read a lot of books while I was going through what I was going through, and there's a lot of books that actually say the same thing about living in the moment and not going into the past because, you know, if you go, well, if I would have done this, if I would have went for a checkup three months earlier, then maybe it would have been stage one and not stage three, and then I would have only had to get the lymph node removed, and I wouldn't have to. Well, then, when you're like that, you're living in a time that doesn't exist. Because that's not now anymore. That never happened, and if it was going to happen, it would have had to happen then. You can't make that happen now. So then you're forfeiting your life to live in, like, memories or, you know, imagining the future that doesn't even exist yet. When you got your life right there to live, right then. What's your best advice for when a friend or anybody comes through your door? I think that you got to walk in with a smile on your face because you can't walk in, you know, like with doom on you. But your friends or family, I think, they still want you to be you. The closest my friends and family were to acting like themselves would be a positive reinforcement to me that things aren't as bad as I think they can get. And, you know, to just be honest with you, I mean, I've gone to visit other people that I'm friends with, and, you know, sometimes they're in there, they start crying, talking about stuff, and my gut tells me, you know what, that now is not the time for a joke, now's the time for a hug, or I've cried with people, and, you know... People go through some bad things, and if you feel bad with them, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's better to be yourself or to say, you know what, I can't imagine what you're going through, and I'm scared too, but you know what, I'm here, and you know, whatever you need me to do, just let me know. You can't go in trying to tell somebody that they don't feel bad when they do. That's wonderful advice. Robert Schimmel, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your new book, Cancer, on $5 a day, chemo not included, how humor got me through the toughest journey of my life. And the reason why I wrote it is, as you know, there is no money in health books and self-help books, but I think I owe it to my fans to hear my story and know what I went through, and more importantly, for them to know that You can take that journey that I took and come back and have a real life after. I hit seven years in remission on December 12th. I am living a real life. They told me I can never have children again after chemotherapy. I had a son that was born exactly three years to the day that they told me. 
And I have another son that just turned three years old on February 15th. And life is great. And I saw a sign on the way to the Burbank Airport the other day, and it said, life's not about surviving the storm. It's learning how to dance in the rain. And that really hit me because everybody's got problems. I don't think anybody's problems are any less than somebody else's. I think sometimes you look at someone and go, boy, why couldn't I have his life? And if you found out what their life really was, you'd be thanking God that you only have what you have. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm Susan Dole, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.